Thrice the bride cat hath mewed. Thrice and once the hedge pig whined. Avia cries, tis time, tis time. Round about the cauldron go in the poisoned entrails throw. Toad that under cold stone days and nights has thirty-one sweltered venom sleeping guard. Boiled out first, I charmed the pot. Double, double, toil and trouble. Fire burn and cauldron bubble. Fillet of a fenny snake, in the cauldron boil and bake. Eye of a newt and toe of frog, wool of bat and tongue of dog. Adder's fork and blindworm sting, lizard's leg and owlet's wing. For a charm of powerful trouble, like a hell broth, boil and bubble. Double, double, toil and trouble, fire burn and cauldron bubble. Scarlet dragon, tooth of wolf, leeches, mummy, maw and gulf. Of the raven's salt sea shark, root of hemlock dig to the dark, liver of blaspheming Jew, call of goat and slips of you, silvered in the moon's eclipse, nose of turf and tartar's lips, finger of birth strangled babe, ditch delivered by a grave. Make the gruel thick and slab, add thereto a tiger's chaudron for the ingredients of our cauldron. Double, double, toil and trouble, fire burning cauldron bubble. Cool it with a baboon's blood, and then the charm is firm and good. Oh, well done. I commend your pains, and everyone shall share in the games. And now, about the cauldrons sing. Live elves and fairies in a ring, enchanting all that you put in. By the pricking of my thumbs, something wicked this way comes. Open locks, whoever knocks. How now, you secret black and midnight hags? What is't you do? A deed without a name. I conjure you, by that which you profess, however you come to know it, answer me. Though you untie the winds and let them fight against the churches, though the yesty waves confound and swallow navigation up, Though bladed corn be lodged, and trees blown down, Though castles topple on their warders' heads, Though palaces and pyramids do slope their heads to their foundations, Though the treasure of nature's germans tumble altogether, Even till destruction sicken, answer me to what I ask you. Speak. Demand. We'll answer. Say if thou'dst rather hear it from our mouths or from our masters. Call them. Let me see them. Pour in the sow's blood that hath eaten her nine pharaoh. Grease that sweating from the murderer's gibbet. Throw into the flame. Come, Paolo, thyself in all the stuff we show. Tell me, thou unknown power. He knows thy thought. Hear his speech, but say thou not. Macbeth. 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 Beware Macduff, beware the Thane of Fife. Dismiss me. Enough! Whate'er thou art, for thy good caution, thanks. Thou hast harped my fear aright. But one word more! He will not be commanded. Here's another, more potent than the first. Macbeth! 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 Had I three years, I'd hear thee. Be bloody! Bold and resolute, laugh to scorn the power of man, 
For none of woman-born shall harm Macbeth. Then live, Macduff. What need I fear of thee? <laughs> but yet I'll make assurance double sure and take a bond of fate. Thou shalt not live. That I may tell pale-hearted fear it lies. And sleep in spite of thee. What is this that rises like the issue of a king and wears upon its baby brow the round and top of sovereignty? Listen, but speak not to it. Be lion meddled, proud, and take no care who chafes, who frets, or where conspirers are. Macbeth shall never vanquish be until great Burnham Wood to high Dunsinane Hill shall come against him. That will never be who can impress the forest, bid the tree and fix his earthbound root. Sweet Godman's good. Rebellion's head arise never till the wood of Burnham rise, and our high-placed Macbeth shall live the lease of nature, pay his breath to time and mortal custom. Yet my heart throbs to know one thing. Tell me if your art can tell so much. Shall Banquo's issue ever reign in this kingdom? Seek to know no more. I will be satisfied. Deny me this, and an eternal curse fall on you. Let me know. Why sinks that cauldron? And what noise is this? Show. 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 Show his eyes and greet his heart. Come like shadows so depart. Thou art too like the spirit of Banquo. Down! Thy crown does sear mine eyeballs. Thy hair. Thou other gold-bound brow is like the first. A third is like the former. Filthy hags, why do you show me this? A fourth, starred eyes. What, will the line stretch out to the crack of doom? Another yet. A seventh. I'll see no more. And yet the eighth appears who bears a glass which shows me many more. And some I see the twofold balls and treble scepters carry. Horrible sight. Now I see. It is true. But the blood altered Pankwo smiles upon me. Points of them are hairs. What? Is this so? Aye, sir, all this is so. But why stands Macbeth thus amazedly? Come, sisters, cheer we up his spirit and show the best of our delights. I'll charm the air to give a sound while you perform your antic round. That this great king may kindly say our duty in his welcome pay. Where are they? On. Let this pernicious hour stand I accursed in the calendar. Come in without there. What's your grace's will? Saw you the weird sisters? No, my lord. Came they not by you? No, indeed, my lord. Infected be the air whereon they ride, and damned all those that trust them. I did hear the galloping of horse. Who was came by? Tis two or three, my lord, that bring you word. Macduff is fled to England. Fled to England? Aye, my good lord. Time thou anticipatest my dread exploits. The flighty purpose never is o'ertook, unless the deed go with it. From this moment, the very firstlings of my heart shall be the firstlings of my hand. And even now, to crown my thoughts with acts, be it thought and done. The castle of Macduff, I will surprise, seize upon Fife, give to the edge of the sword his wife, his babes, and all unfortunate souls that trace him in his line. No boasting of the fool. This deed I'll do before this purpose cool, but no more sights. Where are these gentlemen? Come, bring me where they are. 
What had he done to make him fly the land? You must have patience, madam. He had none. His flight was madness, when our actions do not our fears make us traitors. You know not whether it was his wisdom or his fear. Wisdom? To leave his wife? To leave his babes? His mansions? His titles? In a place from whence he himself does fly? He loves us not. He wants the natural touch, for if the poor wren, the most diminutive of birds, will fight her young ones in her nest against the owl. All is the fear, and nothing is the love. As little is the wisdom, with a flight so runs against all reason. My dearest cause, I pray you, school yourself. But for your husband, he is noble, wise, judicious, and best knows the fits of the season. I dare not speak much further, but cruel are the times when we are traitors and do not know ourselves. When we hold rumor from what we fear, yet know not what we fear, but float upon a wild and violent sea, each way and move. I take my leave of you. Shall not be long, but I'll be here again. Things at the worst will cease, or else climb upward to what they were before. My pretty cousin, blessing upon you. Fathered he is, and yet he is fatherless. I am so much a fool, should I stay longer, it would be my disgrace and your discomfort. I take my leave at once. Sirrah, your father's dead. And what will you do now? How will you live? As birds do, mother. Poor bird. Thou'st never fear the net nor lime, the pitfall nor the gin. Why should I, mother? They're poor birds they're not set for. My father is not dead, for all you're saying. Yes, he is dead. Now how wilt thou do for a father? Nay. How will you do for a husband? Why, I can buy me twenty at any market. Then you'll buy him to sell again. <laughs> Thou speakest with all thy wit, and yet in faith, with wit enough for thee. Was my father a traitor, mother? Aye, that he was. What is a traitor? Why, one that swears and lies. And be all traitors that do so? Every one that does so is a traitor and must be hanged. And must they all be hanged that swear and lie? Every one. Who must hang them? By the honest men. Then liars and swearers are fools. For there are liars and swearers now to beat the honest men and hang up them. Oh, now God help you, poor monkey. But how wilt thou do for a father? If he were dead, you'd weep for him. If you would not, it were a good sign I should quickly have a new father. <laughs> Poor Prattler, how thou talkst. Bless you, fair dame. I am not to you known, though in your state of honor I am perfect. I doubt some danger does approach you nearly. If you will take a homely man's advice, be not found here. Hence with your little ones. To fright you thus, methinks, I am too savage. To do worse to you were fell cruelty, which is too nigh your person. Heaven preserve you, I dare abide no longer. Whither should I fly? I have done no harm. But I remember now I am in this earthly world, where to do harm is often laudable. To do good is sometimes accounted dangerous folly. Why then, alas, do I put up that womanly defense to say I have done no harm? 
What are these faces? Where is your husband? I hope in no place so unsanctified where such as thou mayest find him. He's a traitor. Thou liest, thou shag-haired villain. What, you, Egg? Young fry of treachery. <coughs> He's killed me, mother. Run away, I pray you. Murder! 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 Let us seek out some desolate shade, and there weep our sad bosoms empty. Let us rather hold fast the mortal sword, and like good men bestride our downfall and birthdom. Each new morn, new widows howl, new orphans cry, new sorrows strike heaven on the face, that it resound as if it felt with Scotland, and yelled out like syllable of dollar. What I believe I'll wail, what no believe, and what I can redress, as I shall find the time to friend, I will. What you have spoke, it may be so perchance. This tyrant, whose sole name blistered our tongues, was once thought honest. You have loved him well. He hath not touched you yet. I am young, but something you may deserve of him through me, and wisdom to offer up a poor, innocent lamb to appease our angry god. I am not treacherous. But Macbeth is. A good and virtuous nature may recoil in an imperial charge. But I shall crave your pardon. That which you are, my thoughts cannot transpose. Angel the bright still, though the brightest fell, though all things foul would wear the brows of grace, yet grace may still look so. I have lost my hopes. Perchance, even there where I did find my doubts. Why in that rawness left your wife and child, those precious motives, those strong knots of love, without leave-taking? I pray you. Let not my jealousies be your dishonours, but mine own safeties. You may be rightly just, whatever I shall think. Bleed, bleed, poor country. Great tyranny, lay thou thy basis sure, for goodness dare not check thee. Where thou thy wrongs, thy title is afeard. Fare thee well, Lord. I would not be the villain that thou thinkst for the whole space that's in the tyrant's grasp and the rich east to boot. Be not offended. I speak not as in absolute fear of you. I think our country sinks beneath the yoke. It weeps, it bleeds, and each new day a gash is added to her wounds. I think with all the would-be hands uplifted in my right. And here from gracious England have I offer our goodly thousands. But for all this, when I shall trend upon the tyrant's head, or wear it on my sword, yet my poor country shall have more vices than it had before, more suffer and more sundry ways than ever, by him that shall succeed. What should he be? It is myself, I mean, in whom I know all the particulars of vice so grafted that, when that day shall be open, black Macbeth will seem as pure as snow, and the poor state esteem him as a lamb being compared with my confineless harms. Not in the legions of horrid hell can come a devil more damned in evils to top Macbeth. I grant him bloody, luxurious, avaricious, false, deceitful, sudden, malicious, smacking of every sin that has a name. But there's no bottom, none, in my voluptuousness. Your wives, your daughters, your matrons and your maids could not fill up the cistern of my lust. My desire all continent impediments would o'erbear though did oppose my will. Better Macbeth than such a one as to reign. Boundless intemperance in nature is a tyranny. It hath been the untimely emptying of the happy throne and fall of many kings. 
But fear not yet to take upon you what is yours. You may convey your pleasures in a spacious plenty, and yet seem cold the time you may so hoodwink. We have willing dames enough. There cannot be that vulture in you to devour so many as will to greatness dedicate themselves, finding it so inclined. With this there grows in my most ill-composed affection such a staunchless avarice that were I king, I would cut off the nobles from their lands, desire his jewels and this other's house, and my more having would be as a source to make me hunger more. That I should forge quarrels in just against the good and loyal, destroying them for their wealth. This avarice sticks deeper, grows with more pernicious root than summer seeming lust. And it hath been the sword of our slain kings. Yet do not fear, Scotland hath voices to fill up your will. Of your mere own, all these are portable with other graces weighed. But I have none. The king becoming graces, as justice, verity, temperance, stableness, bounty, perseverance, mercy, lowliness, devotion, patience, courage, fortitude. I have no relish of them, but abound in the division of each several crime, acting it in many ways. Nay, had I power, I should pour the sweet milk of concord into hell, uproar the universal peace, confound all unity on earth. Oh, Scotland, Scotland. If such a one be fit to govern, speak. I am as I have spoken. Fit to govern? No, not to live. Oh, nation miserable with an untitled tyrant bloody sceptred. When shalt thou see thy wholesome days again, since that the truest issue of thy throne by his own interdiction stands accursed, and does blaspheme his breed? Thy royal father was a most sainted king. The queen that bore thee, oftener upon her knees than on her feet, died every day she lived. Fare thee well, these evils thou repeatest upon thyself have banished me from Scotland. Oh, my breast, thy hope ends here. Macduff. This noble passion, child of integrity, hath from my soul wiped to black scruples, recoiled my thoughts to thy good truth and honour. Devilish Macbeth, by many of these trains hath sought to win me into his power, and modest wisdom plucks me from over-credulous haste. But God above, deal between thee and me, for even now I put myself to thy direction, and unspeak my own detraction. Here abjure the taints and blames I laid upon myself, the strangers to my nature. I am yet unknown to woman. Never was forsworn. Scarcely have coveted what was mine own. At no time broke my faith. Would not betray the devil to his fellow and delight no less in truth than life. My first false speaking was this upon myself. What I am truly is thine and my poor country's to command. Whither indeed before thy here approach, old Seward, with ten thousand warlike men, already at a point, was settling forth. Now altogether, and the chance of goodness be like our warranted quarrel. Why are you silent? Such welcome and unwelcome things at once tis hard to reconcile. Well, more anon. Comes the king forth, I pray you. Aye, sir. There are a crew of wretched souls that stay as cure. Their malady convinces the great essay of their art. But as touch, such sanctity hath heaven given his hand. They presently amend. I thank you, Doctor. What's the disease he means? Tis called the evil, a most miraculous work in this good king, which often since my here remain in England I have seen him do. 
how he solicits heaven, himself best knows. But strangely visited people, all swollen, ulcerous, pitiful to the eye, the mere despair of surgery, he cures, hanging a golden stamp about their necks, put on with holy prayers, and tis spoken, to the succeeding royalty he leaves the healing benediction. With this strange virtue he hath a heavenly gift of prophecy, and sundry blessings hang about his throne that speak him full of grace. See, who comes here? A countryman, but yet I know her not. My ever-gentle cousin, welcome hither. I know her now. Good God, but times remove the means that make us strangers. Sir, amen. Stand Scotland where it did. Alas, poor country, almost afraid to know itself. It cannot be called our mother, but our grave. Where nothing but who knows nothing is once seen to smile. Where sighs and groans and shrieks that rend the air are made, not marked. A violent sorrow seems a modern ecstasy. The dead men's knell is their scarce ask for who, and good men's lives expire before the flowers in their caps, dying or ere they sicken. Oh, relation too nice and yet too true. What's the newest grief? That of an hour's age doth hiss the speaker. Each minute teems a new one. How does my wife? Why, well. And all my children? Well, too. The tyrant has not battered at their peace? No. They were well at peace when I did leave them. But not a niggard of your speech. How ghost? When I came hither to transport the tidings which I have heavily borne, there ran a rumor of many worthy fellows that were out, which was, to my belief, witnessed the rather, for that I saw the tyrant's power afoot. Now is the time of help. Your eye in Scotland would create soldiers, make our women fight to doff their dire distresses. Beat the comfort, we are coming thither. Gracious England hath lent us good sword and ten thousand men. An older and better soldier, none than Christendom gives out. Would I could answer this comfort with the like. But I have words that would be held out in the desert air, where hearing should not latch them. What concern they? The general cause? Or is defeat grief due to some single breast? No mind that's honest, but in it shares some woe. Though the main part pertains to you alone. If it be mine, keep it not from me. Quickly, let me have it. Let not your ears despise my tongue forever, which shall possess them with the heaviest sound that ever yet they heard. Hmm. I guess at it. Your castle is surprised. Your wife and babes savagely slaughtered. To relate the manner were on the quarry of these murdered deer, to add the death of you. Merciful heaven. What man... Near pull your hat upon your brows, give sorrow words, the grief that does not speak whispers, the o'erfraught heart and bids it break. My children too. Wife, children, servants, all that could be found. And I must be from thence. My wife killed too. I have said. Be comforted. Let's make us medicines of great revenge to cure this deadly grief. He has no children. All, my pretty ones. Did you say all? Oh, hell, kite, all! What? All of my pretty chickens and their dam at one fell swoop. Dispute it like a man. I shall do so. But I must also feel it as a man. I cannot but remember such things were, that they were most precious to me. Did heaven look on and would not take their part? Oh, sinful Macduff, they were all struck for thee. Not that I am not for their own demerits, but for mine fell slaughter on their souls. Heaven rest them now. Be this the whetstone of your sword? Let grief convert to anger, blunt not the heart, enrage it! But gentle heavens, cut short all intermission. Front to front, bring thou this fiend of Scotland and myself. 
within my sword's length set him. If he scape, heaven forgive him too. This tune goes manly. Come, go we to the king. Our power is ready, our lack is nothing but our leave. Macbeth is ripe for shaking, and the powers above put on their instruments. Receive what cheer you may. The night is long that never finds the day. The Pendant Shakespeare, also known as the Wild Bill Variety Show. Macbeth, Act 4. Featuring the voice talents of Pete Milan as Macbeth, David Alt as Macduff, Renee Christine Jones as Lady Macduff, Natasha Damroth as their son, Karen Collar as Ross, Chris Hackney as Lennox, Chris Britton as Malcolm, Ambie Lee as the first witch, Kristen Bays as the second witch and the first murderer, Beth Freely as the third witch, Vincent Morrison as the first apparition, Harry Whittle as the second apparition, James Rossi as the third apparition, Catherine Pride as Hecate, Dave Morgan as the messenger, Written by William Shakespeare. Adapted for audio by Colin Kelly and Catherine Pride. Script analysis and dramaturgy by Catherine Pride. Directed by Colin Kelly. Music by Kevin McLeod and the Masopan Symphony Orchestra. Shakespeare theme by Pavel Zook of pavelzook.com. Produced by Pendant Productions. This production is copyright 2012, Pendant Productions. For more information, visit pendantaudio.com. Thanks for listening.